sometimes I feel like an ass because I don't have anything <laughs> prepared when I sit down. But I, I honestly just want, I just want to ask what I'm thinking in that moment. Um, I start by asking, you mentioned this, but I start by asking, how do you define success? And then we just let it go from there. Um, so while my account is definitely focused, I would kind of say in health and wellness space, my podcast, I think, varies on a ton of different topics. I, I love that you recognize that and appreciate that because I do think that there's a lot of overlap in the podcast space. And while I really love following certain people on Instagram, I don't necessarily want my podcast to be just like all influencers and more versions of me. I want to tell so many different people's stories and I want it to be different types of people, whether it's age, gender, race, income, like all of that. Hi there, and welcome to the Let's Thrive podcast. My name is Emily Feichels, and I started this page to inspire, educate, and empower any who listen. Like most people, I'm a curious soul and love to chat with my guests on all things health, wellness, spirituality, entrepreneurship, and so much more. I hope you'll stick around for a time or two, and with that said, let's thrive. Welcome back to the Let's Thrive podcast. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and if you're new here, I started this podcast about a year ago when I was just very lost and confused with what I was doing in life, and I wanted a place where I could interview people to basically help myself and in the process help others because I'm all about multitasking. So if I can learn while producing content to help others learn, that's a win-win situation if you know what I mean. And if you're an OG, someone that's been listening for a while now since the beginning, welcome back. (laughs) We're here once more. So I don't know, how is everyone doing? Let's think of this as our midweek check-in way to reevaluate how we're doing, what we're thinking, how's life for you. And since I'm technically the only one speaking here, (laughs) I'll go ahead and start. And you can just kind of think along the way about how you're doing. And just imagine that I'm talking back to you, I suppose. Okay, so I'll be the first to admit, this month of January uh, has been an odd one. My part-time jobs have been in a lull because of the season, waitressing and product manufacturing. So it's hard because I've had more time off, which is great, but it also gives me anxiety because I'm in a stage where I need some more money to invest in things for the podcast and for the brand. And I've always equated being busy and money with success. So having more time off coupled with less money and all the seasonal emotions of the winter season, it's just been a damn challenge, you know? And I know I've done a couple Instagram posts on that lately, so, and the feedback has been big on those, so I know a lot of people are feeling this, but I've just, something I've had to really do for myself, and it's because of today's episode, I recorded it, I think, January 3rd, and it was just kind of a catalyst moment for me of, wow, And what it was is that I need to redefine what success means to me and how productivity can be different from what it usually is. And I'll explain that more in a bit. But today's guest is Cameron Rogers, a fellow podcast host, just a badass businesswoman creating her own work with content creation and a podcast and helping others foster a healthy life. And it's just beautiful in this conversation because I think we just vibe so well. 
as we both do a similar thing, she's at a different level of it than I am. So I look at her as a mentor, as someone I aspire to be like someday. So it was really beautiful to be able to talk with her and, I don't know, just really see what's possible for me if I keep it up. So let's just dive into this practice I did of redefining what success means to me. So as I mentioned, I came to realize that I use work to distract from my emotions and anxiety. Um, And I also equate success with money and, you know, praise, external validation, all that fun stuff. But I have learned that life doesn't always work that way. And I've had to, I've had to really evaluate and have a moment of figuring this all out. So my intention and something I've been working on is to one, just face my emotions head on, no more hiding from them with my work or with any other sort of distraction, whether that's food or said work or scrolling Instagram. I just, I feel the emotions and now I'm actually really getting into journaling, which is something I never thought I'd do. So I'll keep you posted on that. But when I journal, it just makes me detect my own BS and seek the true answers that I need. So, and besides that, I'm also just working on my anxiety. Uh, It's something that I am still coming to terms with and I just can't keep pushing it away because then it builds and then boom, panic attack and After having one of those last year, I just never want to have, like, that experience again. So that's something I'm working on. And things that help with that have been CBD. Don't knock it till you try it. You know I love my cured nutrition. Uh, Nature, which is just as simple as either I walk or if I can't walk, if I'm feeling anxious, I will go to the nearest window, stick my head outside, and take a few deep breaths of that fresh outside air. It works. Um, And then also meditating. Even if that just means you're sitting in silence and you're letting your thoughts go around, just, I don't know, there's something about forcing yourself to be still, be quiet, and just think or not think at all for 5-10 minutes, that is so powerful. Hard, but, not hard, but, I don't know, it's it's worth it, just trust me on that. (laughs) And then also movement, whether that's yoga or walking or just, like, stretching or an actual, like, hardcore sweat sesh, whatever you need, and just implementing more hobbies too, so reading and drawing and creating and just connecting with other people in the process as well to make everything feel less alone. So so that's how I'm handling this season of slowing down. So instead of being so anxious about not being busy 24-7, I'm instead using this extra time I have to focus on facing these issues of why I hide from my emotions and why I hide from my anxiety. So that's the first step. So then for the money and success issue sort of thing, it took a bit more thought. So for all my life, I've equated money with success. And since I'm trying to redefine my idea of success, it makes sense that I have to look at why I feel this way with money. And after giving it a lot of thought, it's just because like when I was growing up, for half my life, I had a single parent. And, you know, like after my mom passed away, I just had this immense fear of like, my dad's not going to be able to provide for us, which is so not true. <laughs> uh, I was just a stupid little naive girl that held this fear. Like, nobody knew I was so afraid of us being poor, except for me. And so I lived all these years until finally I realized, like, oh, wait, my dad makes enough. And my brother and I are really not expensive kids. Like, we never needed braces. We never bought expensive things. Like, we'd use the same phone for, like, four years in a row. <laughs> so, like, 
They were all kind of senseless money fears, but I'm still working through them. And also, I've just come to determine, like, since I've started this journey of doing my own thing, I would rather die happy than die with money. And I do know that money is important to maintain a certain quality of life and a certain quality of happiness for said life, but it is not the end-all be-all. Like, I am just content. I, you know, I don't need to be rolling in the dough and I don't ever really expect to be. So in that, I'm trying to focus more on being productive right now with my life instead of focusing on the money numbers. So yes, I might not be making a shit ton of money right now. And yes, my workload might be slowing down the season of life as part-time jobs, but I can be more productive. So I can prioritize my health because I have nothing without health. I can set business goals that aren't money-related, but by other standards, such as growth and how many new people I'm reaching and starting new projects and learning new skills. In that, I also want to maintain my creative workflow, so allowing for less distractions and more focus and just working smarter, not harder, optimizing systems and creating shortcuts for future me. So, All of that long ramble aside, (laughs) the way I'm redefining success is by focusing on productivity. So instead of equating success to money, I'm now equating success to productivity and how I feel. So am am I facing my emotions? Am I facing my anxiety? And am I being productive with the time that I have been gifted to work on these projects of mine? So boom. That's it for me. But hopefully that got you thinking and I didn't bore you too much. (laughs) I just know it's good to share these things and maybe help someone. So on to the actual episode. Enough of me talking. As I mentioned, Cameron has really done it all and continues to do so much. She's an inspiration of someone who left a job deemed great by society uh, for the status and money at JP Morgan, her previous career, but it wasn't fulfilling her and something was really missing, so she decided to do her own thing. But this did not come without other costs. I mean, she put in the work, she made it happen, she's a hustler, and she's always working to do what's best for her business and her people, her community. And so in the beginning, we actually spend a solid five minutes discussing vegan ice cream, but trust me, after that we get into the serious things. Not that vegan ice cream isn't serious, but you know what I mean. (laughs) But after that, we do discuss everything from going against societal standards, why we don't need to constantly explain ourselves, and how to stand in our own self-worth, whether that's in career or finances. In this, we discuss, as I mentioned before, redefining what success means and understanding financial freedom in that as well. Not tying ourselves to our money, not tying our worth to our, you know, money as well. (laughs) Cameron also shares what it's like to support ourselves, not selling our work short, whether that's in a corporate work or entrepreneurial work. In this field of content creation, it can be so easy to just say okay to a brand when they say, can we send you free product? But when you reach a certain level, you need to be able to, you know, know your self-worth and stand your ground and say, this is how, this is what my work deserves and this is what I expect. In this, she explains overcoming that imposter syndrome and believing that you actually can do this. And to wrap things up, we discuss her health journey throughout this entire business journey of hers. Uh, And that was with heavy metal poisoning, severe heavy metal poisoning, actually, and how she worked through it to be an advocate for herself while also not becoming obsessed with it. 
It's truly fascinating, a loaded episode with something for everyone, and so I hope you give it a listen. You can find Cameron on Instagram at freckledfoodie, and her podcast is the Freckled Foodie and Friends podcast, which we also discuss all about. You'll hear why she started the podcast, what she hopes you get from it, and I just have to say I'm a huge fan of her podcast. It is like just the perfect blend of everything I need. So a little bit of health, a little bit of business, a little bit of fun, a little bit of just one of those all-around well-rounded podcasts because she's a very well-rounded person. So definitely check that out. Freckled Foodie and Friends is the name. And remember, if you go to the Let's Thrive podcast on Apple Podcast and leave a rate and review, you'll be entered to win a bottle of Hum Nutrition glow gummies to help you glow from the inside out. The vitamin blend in it is carefully crafted by Hum's leading team of nutritionists and it helps hydrate your skin from the inside out. So, once more, if you like today's episode, tag us on your stories. Cameron is at Freckled Foodie and I'm on Instagram at Thrive underscore on life. I really hope this resonated with you and let us know what you thought. So let's begin. They were good. Um, honestly, I took like the time off, which was so nice. Like I wasn't on email. I wasn't on social media, which was amazing. But it, I came back and I felt like so tired and sick as you can hear by my voice so then I was frustrated like I just spent this vacation and I don't feel rested but the holidays are stressful as an adult and I feel like no one talks about that well people talk about it but um it was a lot and I ended with an amazing wedding of one of my best friends but that was like a 4 30 night and I'm still recovering so I just can't do that kind of stuff anymore well I feel similar and where like if I have one night where I go out, have a bunch of fun, fun, I'm staying out late, whatever. I don't, it's like it drains like all my energy. It like spikes my cortisol, like past or past improving. Like it takes me probably like a good week to get better from it. It's wild. I I mean, I was never like the late person going out. I would always like kind of call the night around like 2.33. But I mean, 4.30, like there's just no need for anyone to be up that late. So it's no surprise. Um, but now my nights usually end around like midnight or one. So this was, it was just way later than usual for me. And I'm still feeling the effects, which is so sad. Well, what are your like go-tos to get better? Like when you are having a, like, whether it's like a gut flare up or you just had like one too many nights out up too late, you're not feeling well. Like I saw the other day, you've been doing like the sauna with class pass. Is that helpful? So I, I've been going to the infrared sauna for the past I guess now a year, actually, I've gone during my like heavy metals detox, I was going two times a week. And then after that four month period, I've been going once a week for the past year, if I can. Um, I find it incredibly helpful. I love the space that I go to now wellness. It's very close to my apartment, Nikki, the owner, she's been a guest on my show. It's like a second home to me. So I love it there. Um, That definitely helps with the hangover. For me, it's like, getting back to things that make me feel good. So I drink so much water. I've been using these hydration packs by Liquid IV and Noon and UNN and UN, um, which help a lot. And then it's just like, I talked about this with my friend. She craves like greasy, like bacon, egg and cheese bagel when she's hungover. Like I really weirdly crave like a warm, big bowl of like oatmeal or something. Like, the grease aspect of things makes me feel like more nauseous and so much more sick that it just like does not do it for me. 
you know, I, I agree in that. I don't know. Like I, sometimes I feel like I would get judged because I, I used to have like, you know, orthorexia, just like obsessed with health. So it's like, if I say no to greasy foods or foods like that, I still feel like people sometimes think, oh, that's because she was, you know, so healthy. But yeah, but like in reality, I, I mean, I know you have your fair share of stomach issues too. Like I know what makes me feel good and those foods can taste good too. Like I'm not eating bland, like tasteless foods. I don't know. Good for me to enjoy it. But like I know specifically for bacon or eggs, those are foods that I eat regularly. Well, eggs recently, I'm eating them again, but either way, I'm not saying that they're like quote unquote bad foods by any means, but if I'm hungover, I, I burp the taste of bacon the entire day. It's disgusting. Like no one enjoys that. Um, but I will say every day that I'm hungover, I mean, I have ice cream almost every day anyway, but I, ice cream is like a key. Like that is what makes me like, I need ice cream if I'm hungover. It's like the one thing I really crave. Is Van Lewin's your go-to brand? Because you had them on the podcast yeah. and I was so, yeah, yeah. I fell in love with them when I was in New York City for the first time. Oh my God, it's heaven. Yeah. Um, that is definitely my go-to. A, because of proximity, it's very close to my apartment. But I think that like, they've changed my taste buds for ice cream because it's so good and it's so, so rich and they're using the best ingredients that now, like if I eat ice cream from like the shore, this place that I was obsessed with my whole life, Hoffman's, it just tastes very like fake, which is so sad, but it's true. (laughs) It's just, it's the different ingredients that they're using. So it's real. Exactly. Uh, But yes, Van Leeuwen is definitely a favorite of mine. I love Jenny's if I have that in my freezer. I also love Ample Hills, which is local. If I'm home in Princeton, Bent Spoon is the best or Halo Pub. I'm like, I could have a whole podcast of ice cream. I know. I'm I'm very similar in that. Vegan. Sorry. Okay. One second. My dogs are going to be barking for a second. I don't care. I thought it was Charlie for a second. Okay. Okay, they might be done. But yeah, I mean, I just, I make it like a habit of mine whenever I travel to just find like, I, I, oh, have, I can't have dairy. So I have, it has to be vegan ice cream and it's a task to find, but when you find it, it's so worth it. Like, oh yeah. I, every city I go to, I have to find an ice cream place to visit, which is honestly one of the best perks of having Freckled Foodie because I'll put on my story, like I'm visiting XYZ place, like send in your top ice cream spots and everyone will like, there will obviously be a wide array, but there are always a few that everyone's recommending, and those are the ones I'll go to. Exactly. There was a really <laughs> vegan ice cream place I tried in where was I? In Boston. Yes. I think I was in Boston. Yes, I was in Boston. I'll find the name of it for you. It was so good. Like really freaking good. Good, because I'm going to Boston soon and I was worried. <laughs> They wouldn't have vegan. Like I don't know why. No, I posted it on my Instagram, but I I forget the name. It was like, and they had gluten free cones. It was so good. Oh heaven! Oh that is heaven! Wow. Yeah, I haven't had a gluten free waffle cone in like years until I found one in um, when I was in Texas, and I just freaked out. My friends like took a video of me because I was just so. (laughs) (laughs) No, they're rare. They're rare to find. Okay, I found the name. Okay. It's FOMU, F-O-M-U. Okay, I've heard of that, actually, I feel. I will, then. That's on my Boston list now. (laughs) Perfect. Well, we've mentioned your podcast, your account, Freckled Foodie. We've mentioned quite a bit, a lot. But So I'm just curious, 
for anyone who's not familiar with you, yeah. you're Cameron, the freckled foodie. Like, could you just give a little bit of an insight into who you are, what it is you do, and then we can dive into some more of the some more topics I wanted to hit on. Yeah, of course. So I'm Cameron Rogers, as you mentioned. I'm the voice behind Freckled Foodie. I would say when people ask me what my job is, which is a question I'm constantly dodging because I don't know what exactly to say. Um, My latest and greatest is that I am a content creator in the health and wellness space focused on making healthy living approachable. So I do that through open, honest, and raw content on my Instagram, blog, and podcast, Freckled Foodie and Friends. My whole mission is to really just create a community and like remind people that they're not alone and whatever emotion they're feeling and to make all of the trends in the quote unquote wellness industry more approachable. I love that. And I, I feel similar. I almost didn't even want to ask you the question because I I I know it's just so interesting. And I know you understand because I've heard you discuss it on your podcast, how like it's so easy. Like you had a job before and finance or yeah. At JP Morgan. Yeah. So it's like, that's a job that you just like can fire off the tongue. People understand what it is. Like it even has prestige to it, you know? Yeah. And then you try to do like anything on your own. And, you know, I have friends who are bloggers that make, you know, so much and they tell someone they're a food blogger and they just look at them, you know, and like the same with like, you and I and, yeah, that's the reaction sometimes. Like, oh, that's so cute. Like, oh, is it so cute? That, like, what? My thing, and I've talked about this a lot, is that I, with my previous job, came a lot of egotistical aspects that I had a hard time letting go of. So I don't think I fully acknowledged it until it came to a point where I was really making the decision to quit. But so much comes with the title of saying, oh, I work in sales and training at JP Morgan. Like, you immediately have this badge of honor from, especially from adults. And I guess now I am finding out how much like their respect means to me in a weird way. Um, And it was just so quick to say, it was so easy. People not always understood it. If they understood it, it was a great conversation because maybe they did something similar. If they didn't, it was like, oh wow, that's a really cool and like prestigious job. And now to be in a place where, I don't fully myself even know what I'm doing every day or month. And obviously a lot of anxiety comes with that to be asked the question and then feel judgment on the back end. It's, a, it's, it's stressful. And I think it's hard because I love talking to people about what I do and I love finding out what other people do. So I don't want people to stop asking me the question. I just want to be more comfortable and proud of saying what I'm doing, which I'm, I'm getting to that place. I think in the very beginning, I remember being on my honeymoon and we were talking to a couple and some guy, the guy was like, oh, so what do you do? And I said, oh, I used to work at JP Morgan for five years and I actually just left to start my own thing. And I started talking about Freckle Foodie. And after Joe was turned, my husband turned to me and said, you don't have to like justify what you're doing now by saying you worked at JP Morgan for five years. Just say what you're doing. Like, no one cares. It doesn't matter. Quit, like, belittling what you're doing now. And I hadn't even noticed I was doing it. So I've cut that out out of my life. But I really enjoy, I don't know if you feel this way, I love watching other people explain what I do. Like, if someone asks my mom or dad or my husband or my sister, like, I love when I'm there and I get to watch their answer. 
Yeah, no, I'm smiling so big because I'm similar in that. So for me, it wasn't a job I left per se, but I left college. And when I first came home, when people, they would ask like, how's school going? So then I explained, like, I always started out by saying, you know, like, oh, I went, I did this, I did that. It wasn't right. I did this. And then like, I just kind of end meekly by saying like, oh, but now I'm doing this and that. And after a while, yeah, I just, I was like, I don't need to explain to them. Like, I can just say, hey, like I had some health issues come up and now I'm doing this and I'm proud of it. And it is fun, like seeing what others say. Like at first it was hard because my dad and brother uh, in particular didn't know, didn't understand the extent of what I was doing. So they would almost like describe it not enough. So then I was kind of, you know, it was kind of like, oh, well, there's more yeah, to it than sensitive that. Over the, not you, but everyone yeah. is sensitive over this. It's like, oh, they are not proud of what I'm doing. Yep. I'm with you. Yeah. But yeah. So like now it's just to a place where it is very cool. And I don't know, like, I feel like the neatest part is when you have someone come up, whether they know you or they know you through Instagram and they, they love what you do. Like, I'm sure you get that with the podcast events and stuff. Like it is the best feeling in the world. The best. It's so amazing. And you know, I, I love my community so much and I love meeting them. That's the reason I host events is to like meet all of these people and for them to meet each other. Um, There's nothing that means more to me than meeting someone and hearing how somehow what I've shared helped them do X, Y, Z. And even if it's just through DMs like that to me, I screenshot a ton of messages and save them on like a Google Drive folder called my happy folder so that when I'm having a day, which happens to me, where I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Why did I leave my job? Like, am I actually doing anything? What is this that brings me back to reality and gets me out of that dark hole? But I think, I I, I don't know why I have so, I put so much value in the words of elders, quote unquote, or just people older than me, but it means so much to me when I get recognition from a generation above, I think because it, it doesn't always make sense to them what we're doing. And so I was just at one of my best friend's weddings and I had four separate adults come up to me, two men, which never happens like other than my dad. Um, and just say, I'm like, you know, it all varied on what they said, but it was really encouraging words and so much support. And I was blown away. I left so happy. It's little things like that. Yeah, no, I feel that. And I almost think it goes back to just, I mean, obviously when we're like the programming of society. So it's like when we're children, everything comes from adults. Like you don't have your when you're six years old, your best friend isn't saying like, good job. It's your parents. It's your aunts, uncles, elders. And I think it's just so driven into us of that's who you get recognition from. That's who you get support from. And yeah, I I too am struggling with that. (laughs) Yeah. Also words of affirmation is my love language. So I'm like, tell me everything all the time. Exactly. I know. I'm like, write me a review, send me a text message, like say yeah. the person is the best. <laughs> I just need all the yeah, all the yeah. words I can get. Exactly. When something I love on your podcast is that you always open by asking like what someone what their definition of success is. And that is probably an ever evolving question for everyone. But yes. I know that obviously you have probably <laughs> redefined yours quite a few times. So Like what is, what is your definition of success as of now? 
And like, how do you think that changed over time? So right now, I would say it's doing something that I feel proud of. So proud to tell others, similarly to what we were just talking about. Um, I also think that financials have to play a role in success at some aspect. It's not my driving force. And I'm, you know, you asked how I used to define it. Um, In a previous life, I was very driven by the numbers and that was like my main focus. And I think leaving such a high paying job to do something on my own with no real idea of how much money I was going to make was really difficult for me because not only was I starting from scratch, but I had set such a high bar in comparison to what I used to make. And so there was always that voice in the back of my head, like being like, well, that's not X. That's not that amount. Um, It definitely taught me a whole new appreciation for the value of a dollar. I think I took so much for granted when I was making that type of money. Um, But I do think I'm now in a place where I'm finally able to assess the fact that, of course, financials are important. I want to be able to live my life accordingly and not have to worry about every single paycheck coming in in order to live. And, you know, a guest on my show recently said, you can work to live or you can live to work. And so I don't want to be in a place where every single thing I do has to happen in order for me to continue my lifestyle. Um, I want to be comfortable and to not have to necessarily worry about it all the time. And so obviously with success, I also would like to be financially stable. So I think it's doing what I'm proud of. We're doing something I'm proud of being financially stable and also enjoying the present. I have a really hard time with that. I'm always thinking about the next thing. I'm not so focused on going backwards. I know a lot of people have like a lot of anxiety over what's happened in the past. Mine is very focused on what's to come. And so I'm really trying to appreciate what's in the now rather than get myself worked up over what's happening next. I really once more to all of that. And that episode you were referring to, I was actually just listening to it. I think it was yesterday and loved it. Loved it so much. Yeah. Um, But yeah. And, you know, I am curious with that kind of skewered sense of money and finances and having that tied to success. When you started this content creation, podcasting, Instagram world of things, did you have trouble almost like pricing yourself? So having your bar set and asking for your worth. That's what I was trying to ask about. Like, did you have trouble asking for your worth? So if a brand came to you and said, Hey, uh, you know, for this post, we'll give you X, Y, and Z when in reality, you know, you should be getting a bit more. Like, did you struggle to come to a place where you could ask for more? Like, what was that evolution like? So when I, I think it's important to say when I first left JP Morgan, I was focused on like cooking for clients. So I left thinking that I was going to do like health coaching and meal prepping services and like in-home cooking classes, kitchen audits. Like that was my main focus. So it was way less focused on like content creation. So I was still, there was still the uncomfortableness of figuring out what my rates were. And it was like charging individuals rather than brands. However, it was such a clear service of like hourly rate. And with New York, like a lot of my clientele was on the higher spectrum of wealth. And for them, it was just as another thing that they were adding to their home maintenance balance sheet almost. So 
I didn't struggle as much then, but when I left to fully focus content creation, which was in January of 2019, um, I definitely had a hard time because I looked at, okay, what do I want my annual salary to be? Then I broke it down by month. And then I was like, okay, how many pieces, what I need to do, how much would they have to be for? And my bar was just really freaking high, like too high. And I realized because I was still comparing myself to my JP Morgan salary, which is just silly of me. Maybe one day I'll get back to that place, but not right now. Um, and I will get back to that place, not maybe. Anyway, um, I then kind of reassessed and set a more like a realistic annual salary. And I had a lot of open and honest conversations with my friends. So I have a group of girlfriends who I absolutely love in this space, um, who, you know, I've made so many friends in this space, but not everyone loves to have conversations about the nitty and gritty and like the details because technically you can look at it as competitive i think that it's more collaborative um but my group of girlfriends and i'm sure you follow them all eat well with sari eating with m aaron lips whole mad about food um we say everything like the exact numbers so i'll be like what are you charging to if some brand approached you for xyz stories xyz post whatever what would you charge and we'll all say the exact number and it's really helpful because we're all in most of us are in different cities we all have different following numbers so it's easy like take erin she's in philly but she has way more followers than me so i can kind of associate and like ratio it out where i'm like oh i am on track or or i'm way too low or i'm way too high um so finding people like that has been so helpful for me and then also like not being afraid to put a value on yourself and like it can be high. My rates are definitely on the higher end and I'm totally okay with that because brands are still paying it. It's not like I'm not getting any work and I know my value. Like I know my worth and I have a very, very engaged and loyal audience. And I think I struggled in the very beginning of being like, Oh, this is what I charge knowing that I had, I say only because I'm comparing it to much larger accounts, but only 20,000 followers. Whereas maybe someone with 50 or 70 is charging the same. But then I also have the metrics to show, okay, well, my audience is really engaged. I have X amount of story views and I know that that's higher than some of those accounts with those followers. So I think it's assessing that. And also like I have conversations with the brands. I've formed amazing relationships with some brands and, after the partnership, I'll ask, like, how do you think that went on your end? You know, like I try to do three, six month contracts and I'm always asking, what do you want more of? What are your expectations? What could I have done better? What were you expecting to see and you didn't see? Like, what was the pleasant surprise? Having those conversations and once you have the metrics, then it makes sense. And I think we forget on our end how much money brands put to work in advertising and thinking of yourself as a form of that advertising budget. Yeah. It was I mean, such a long <laughs> No, that was perfect. That was more than what I was looking for. It was amazing. And it, you know, when it comes down to it, it sounds like what you're saying is like, honesty is a huge factor. Like, you know, honesty mm. with others, like you have a community for a reason. And I truly think if they're, you know, if you have that close knit, you know, group of friends community that you can make yeah. over Instagram, like you can do it. It is possible. Like you, sh you know, you should be able to have at least one or two that you can talk factual totally. numbers with. Like I can list three off the top of my head that I know if I ask them, like, 
hey, what do you think of this? Like they would, same thing, give exact numbers, give exact statistics, everything. And then it's also honesty with the brands of saying like, hey, look, I spend X amount of hours on this one post for you and you could be, you know, and it's going to be reaching so many people and, you know, shared and yada this, yada that. Like, it's just so important. And then also being honest with yourself, like you said, like not being afraid to put a value on you and your work and everything. I mean, if you're putting into it what you should be, charge for that. Like if you're just, you know, not putting it, if you're half-assing it, then don't charge for it. But yeah. And I think also another thing is like, we were just micro friends and I were just talking about this because, you know, the end of the year metrics were down a little bit and I was just like, everyone was a little checked out and it was like, I just want year end to be here already. And there is the stress of when you post sponsor content, you want it to perform well because you're then sending the metrics to the brand and you want to make sure that they feel they're getting what they paid for. Um, but we also mentioned and discussed like what the brand is paying for is not just that work that's going into that one post and that performance. You're also getting paid for all the work you've done in the past to build this audience. Like building this community did not come out of nowhere. Think about how much work it's taken you, me, everyone else to build their platform. Like they also have to financially pay a little bit for that because that's how they're reaching the audience for the work you've done in the past. That is very true. Yeah, because most brands, I'd say, don't have too much of an engaged audience. I'd say just because no, they have large following, but no one's like engaged. exactly like if you look, it's like they have eight comments on a post. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's just a product. It's almost you know for show. It's where they put their own stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's like the term influence didn't come from you know it it, it means something. Like it means yeah. us and you and everyone that's using their audience, their platform to expose these products, these brands. And, you know, hopefully you're being like, hopefully, you know, when people share, it is truthful because influence is powerful. And like, that's, I mean, it's crazy. Like Jenna Kutcher of like the gold digger podcast, like she did her year in review things. And like, there's a prime example of someone who like her audience is so engaged. I mean, her affiliate commission was astronomical and that just goes to yeah (laughs) it's it's amazing like gave me chills like it just so powerful and real and stuff but yeah I I think that is very important to remember as well definitely so you mentioned a while ago that you had metal poisoning when we were talking about infrared sauna and everything so I think that is kind of an important part of your story as you know, amongst everything else you were doing, you were also battling like your own health issues, just yeah. like the rest of us. So many of us have. So could you just, you know, give as much as you want about what happened there and how that affected your personal life and mainly like your work life, how you approached everything? Definitely. Um, I'm going to try to give like a shortened version just because it's so long. It could be like a whole podcast. Um, but basically my health issues started when I graduated from college before that, I never had problems. I mean, I definitely had, I held my stress in my stomach. I always knew that, um, even from a young age, but it was fine. I never had trouble going to the bathroom. I wasn't bloated. Like it was just, I would kind of get stomach aches if I was like, severely stressed. So I graduated from college. I started a full-time job. I am no longer playing cross. Like, you know, reality checks in. And that first year and a half, I started to have like really bad digestive issues. So I'm having like severe bloat, 
um, bad, bad constipation. Like it got to the point where I was so bloated, it was affecting my um, airway. And so I was having trouble breathing, like especially at the end of the night. And I wasn't really doing anything about it. I just didn't know what it was and I was kind of ignoring it. And then it got so bad that I was at a wedding. I couldn't breathe to yell my friend's name. And I turned to Joe and said, I have to go to a doctor. So I went to a gastroenterologist. Basically, that started my like digestive health journey. So I had SIBO. I had leaky gut. Um, I had IBS, C, like everything that they could have diagnosed me with, I had. So I did the SIBO treatment and... I was on a low FODMAP diet for like four months. I cut out garlic and onion, which were, I thought, two of my main triggers, or maybe they were, um, for two years, which at the time was like not a popular thing. Not that it's popular now, but like really it was very rare. Um, And then I was still having some issues. And so I was just so confused and frustrated. And I have a lot of anxiety focused on medical issues. Um, I'm constantly fearing that whatever I'm feeling is permanent. And so I also became a little bit of a mental head case over the whole situation. There was so much food feardom because of the way it was affecting me. And I would just get so worked up about what I was just going to eat for dinner that night. There was just so much food carried so much weight, I guess is the best way to say it. And it was unhealthy. And it's not like I was orthorexic, but it, it just really took up way too much space in my mind. Um, and so I was also simultaneously like incredibly emotional, incredibly like quick triggered, which my mom would say I probably always was, but I was like breaking down in these emotional hysterical cries for no reason. I felt depressed all of a sudden. I, I, I just, I am very in tune with my body and I knew something was wrong. And so I also, so then I started to go to Carsley Health, I guess, is like the next step. Um, And, or no, right before that, I actually had shingles, weirdly enough. Like, it was just so fucking weird. So all this stuff kept happening. I was so confused. Like, I was someone that takes care of themselves. I couldn't believe all this was going on. And I was just so frustrated and so over it. Every time I went to a doctor's office, I left crying because I was told I had another thing wrong with me. Basically it all came down to the fact that I was at Parsley Health and my doctor was like, all right, let's do some just like run of the mill, generic, broad blood tests. And my inflammation markers were extremely high, which is no surprise because I was bloated and constantly inflamed. Um, And my heavy metals were high. And she was like, you know, your heavy metals get back high, but it could be just like a miss read or maybe you ate fish the night before so let's do a specific heavy metals test so first we did the blood test and my mercury came back really high but blood can be i believe this is correct i'm not a doctor but i believe the blood level can be specifically from like what you consume so fish like tuna for instance which i definitely ate a lot of tuna um and so she wanted to do a urine test where i would take these um, binding, what were they called? Binding agents. Yes, that's what it is. So I would pee first thing in the morning and then take a lot of these pills, DMSA, it's a binding agent. And then I would like 
put my pee for the morning aside and then take my pee for the next six hours and send both of them in. So I did that and you don't eat shellfish for two weeks before. So I was kind of like, this would be weird. I don't know how I would have had heavy metals. Like, I don't really know why I'm even doing this. It was a month before my wedding. So I really didn't fucking care. I was like not focused on my health. And she called me, I will never, or no, she emailed me and was like, hey, um, you have heavy metal poisoning. Like you have mercury poisoning. Your levels are at a 111, I think it was, a 111. And they're supposed to be less than four. And I get a lot of people that DM me now being like, I have heavy metal, like high mercury levels. Like what should I do? You need to do a really intense procedure. And I always ask, like, what is your number? I'm just curious. Do you want me to stop? Okay. Um, I'm, I'm like, I'm just curious. What is your number? Because I'm not going to tell you what I did because it was very extreme. And people are like, oh, I have a 20. I'm like, okay, you're fine. Now you're fine, but you don't have to do what I did. So my doctor, I was so overwhelmed. I was actually on my way to dinner with my girlfriends. Joe came home. I hysterically cried. I was like, I do not have time for another thing to be wrong with me. This is just, I'm fucking over it. And my doctor reassured me that it could have been like the main cause of a lot of things. Um, when you have heavy metal poisoning, specifically mercury poisoning, not only does it weaken your entire system, but it can create a space for these type of issues, specifically gut health issues, and even specifically SIBO, even things like shingles, because it protects like a barrier and wall around these cells to protect them. So even if you're treating them through medication, medication isn't fully killing them. So I was then a little hopeful and like depressed, mood swings, anxiety, that was all also in the list of symptoms and side effects. So then my next thing was like, how the Freak, did I get this? I don't understand. Like, where am I being exposed to heavy metals? So I'll never know the actual answer. But from my detective work, the main two reasons are, like, consuming too much tuna that's been poisoned. And my doctor said, your levels are way too extreme for them to be through tuna. Like, you, you would have to eat so much tuna every single day to be above 100. So I think maybe that, like, elevated a bit, but that wasn't what did it. Um, the next thing is from amalgam fillings, some metal fillings in your mouth. So I called, I was alone this day that I found all this out. So I was like looking in the mirror, but you know, you can't see your top teeth. So I called my current dentist and my dentist from New Jersey growing up. And I was like, Hey, can you tell me if you've given me any silver fillings? Cause I know I had them like growing up. I had so many cavities and my current doctor was like, no, I haven't given you any. And my doctor from home was like, actually, yeah, I did like tooth, whatever. And it was a back molar. And I said, no, I'm looking at it. I don't have a filling in there. Meanwhile, while I was waiting for him to get back to me, I had researched like how to remove the fillings because if I had them, I wanted them out. And, you know, this is still very like Eastern versus Western. Not everyone believes in this. I'm not telling everyone what to do. However, there are processes where they specifically remove amalgam fillings and they make sure like your nose is tensioned off, your entire mouth is tensioned off. The dentist is wearing like a mask of sorts, just the tooth is out so that when they drill into the metal, it's not releasing the metal into your system. So that's what I was planning on doing if I had them. 
Then my dentist was like, you have one in your back tooth. And I said, no, I don't. I'm looking at it right now. And he realized through his records, he goes, oh, you're right. I removed it in 2013. And so I know we did not do that process. And 2013 is when I graduated from college and all of this started. So I'm like, okay, done. That's the answer. Because like I tested my apartment. I tested my water. I did everything. So my doctor and I think that's what caused it. Um, moral of the story, fast forward, I start doing chelation therapy, which you can do through IV or pill format. I did pill format. It's very invasive. It basically, you're taking three days of the week, you're taking pills to basically like latch on to everything in your body. And then you're releasing it through urine, poop, and sweat. So that's why I was doing the infrared sauna twice a week. Um, but it cannot disassociate mercury or whatever it's removing from like your essential vitamins. So I was extremely tired. I had very bad fatigue. I had really bad headaches. Like I, I was really out of it and I don't think I realized how out of it I was until the four months were over and I was done and I came back to life. I was like, holy shit, what just happened to me? Um, so it was a lot. I've since been tested and my levels are now back down to like a 20 something. And currently I'm comfortable with that. I know it's higher than it should be, but I, I can't, I can't obsess over it. Yeah. Which is very easy for me to do. Well, yeah. And I was curious because I knew you had the, you know, metal poisoning, but I didn't know, you know, like how you got it or how severe it was. And um, it is crazy, like how you can think so lightly of something and then it just like one message from your doctor and it like blows up. And like, I was, I had like some health, same thing, like similar health issues to you. Like doctors were saying it was stress and I'm like, no, it's something else. And then I was, I got tested. It was like a long story, but for chronic hepatitis C and wow. and it was like the same thing I got the email like the text email the one day and my levels were like 11 million and the normal is under 15 so oh, it yeah and then like after that you know people would text me about their liver enzymes being high or whatever and same thing it's like I don't know there's like things can be elevated slightly and then things can be like out of control and then I don't like the biggest struggle for me. And I don't know if you felt that was like, I was so, I just wanted a natural, like non-invasive way to like heal everything. You know what I, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I wanted to do things my way and turns out that you can, like you have to, similar to your thing, like it has to be this, you know, pretty invasive pills that you take and it takes quite a toll on your body. And I think that was hard for me too. And like what you were saying is just like letting go of what could have been or what was and trying to not let like the anxiety of it all take over, honestly. Definitely. I think for me, it was interesting. I'd never really struggled with like accepting the medication aspect of it all. I really believe in like both worlds and I think there's a need for both. And so in my mind, it was easy to compartmentalize this into a place of like, you know, it's so extreme and not the same at all. But if I had cancer doing chemotherapy, Mm -hmm. Um, along with homeopathic remedies, but, you know, accepting that typical American medication aspect of it all and like marrying those two worlds. And so for me, I compartmentalized it into that and that was fine. But I think in today's day and age, 
we're all so focused, like uberly focused on being the quote unquote, like best version and the healthiest. And, you know, I could go in a deep, dark hole of my own body and find 20 different things that were wrong with me. And they might not be crazy elevated, but it, if I have those numbers, it's, I'm an obsessive person and I'm very type A and like, I say I'm a recovered type A, OCD, like anal human. Um, I've really changed so much in two years. It's wild for me to compare. I know behavior I would have felt and thought around certain things that are small and large. But for me, I think if we all let go a little bit on the obsessiveness of health. So yes, if you have levels like that, you had, or like I had, treat them. But not everything has to be perfect. And it's so easy to be obsessed with like the next thing and always having something on your mind medically. And it's just, I'm, I'm tired of it, honestly. So I've kind of let go. You know, I, I ended up leaving my functional medicine doctor. I just, it was too much for me. So that's where I am now, but there's always something. Yeah. No, I know. I swear, like, I, yeah, it, it gets to a point where you do just have to quit because there will, like, your bot, like, I want to find the person that has the perfect levels of everything. And the thing is, I don't think that exists. Like, you know, like yeah. you said, we could all deep dive into a whole of that. But I am curious. So, oh, yeah. I was just going to say, even I can't listen to a lot of podcasts that are, like, so focused on health and wellness. Because, like, I have so much respect for Dave Osprey and Bulletproof and everything he's doing, but his biohacking and all of that. And for me, it's just so much information and I just can't, I can't live a life like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like almost anxiety inducing. And I, I have regret because when I started the podcast, I was, I was going through all that stuff, you know? So that's who I was seeking out. So a lot of my conversations were about like eating disorders or health issues, yada, this, yada, that. And then what I realized was like, I was just like, I needed to stop. Like I was immersing myself in it too much. And I'm the type of person I take in like everything that's around me. So if I'm listening to those episodes or I'm producing them myself, like you can bet those issues are going to start popping up in my own life. And (laughs) I feel that. I totally agree. And so I'm curious in this time where you're transitioning careers, you're going through your health struggles and all of that. Something that I find is a huge struggle for me and a lot of others I talk to in this similar space is scheduling your time, your agenda, all the work you have to do. So like, how do you schedule your day, stay focused when you're from home? Some days you're not feeling too great. Some days you just don't want to do it. Like, what have you found, found in this journey? It's like you read my mind a bit <laughs> panicking. Um, I've had a rough two days of like very anxious and panicky coming off the holidays and all of that. Um, so I'm, it's something I'm constantly trying to find more structure in. I will say I was an insanely structured human beforehand to a negative aspect. Like I held everything with such a tight grip and if it didn't go my way, it was like a big deal and not, I did not handle it well. Um, so I kind of purposefully laid off on the scheduling. Now I'm realizing I do need a little bit more structure to get everything done. 
I definitely constantly feel like there's always more to do. I'm extremely hard on myself and it's why I'm able to succeed on my own boss as my own boss, but I also think it's made it really difficult. Um, so structuring wise, I'm trying to really work harder, not smart, work smarter, not (laughs) definitely not the opposite. Um, in 2020. So having my new dog has definitely built in some structure because like I have to be with him at certain parts of the day. So ideally what I try to do is have like a day scheduled to recording podcasts each week where I'm doing at least one episode, um, one day to do recipe, like development creation, whatever. I do have a day that's mainly like meetings and appointments. That's just where my life is, where I have a lot of appointments. Like I have therapy. I go to every week. I get acupuncture every other week. I have random shit I have to do. Um, So I try to do that all in one day because I get stressed when like every day of the week I'm bopping out to go one place and, you know, without being held to an office, it's really easy to say yes to everything and schedule everything. Um, And then one day to like create the content aspect of it. So like write everything down, actually like do the posts and all of that. Um, and then I save like the last day of the quote unquote work week for whatever is like coming up that week that needs more attention. Weekends, I really am trying to take off as much as I can to spend time with my husband and friends and family, but it's not always the case. I'm, I'm really trying to set, be better about setting boundaries for myself because without me making myself stop, I could work all night long. Oh, I know. And, yeah. There's and Joe is like, supportive where he's like never going to tell me to stop working, but I need, I like, sometimes I'm like, you have to tell me to put my phone down. When I found for me too, I don't know if you felt this, but once I started doing my own thing, I felt once more like I had to prove something. So it's like, uh, oh yeah, I'm going to work till 10 30 11 at night screw my sleep schedule like screw everything up just because like I feel this need to prove myself and I'm like okay if I look at people my age and what they're doing they're they're not doing this like nobody's doing this I'm in a competition with myself trying to prove something to nobody and so I think yeah boundaries is huge for that boundaries with ourselves and boundaries with work and others and everything (laughs) I also thought Joe said this to me he He's my sounding board all day long. Um, but he reminded me of, yes, I did sit at my desk. So I was technically working, quote unquote, at JP from call it 6.37 a.m. until 5. Um, but I would say some days, half of that time was not spent working. That's like... of the time, 50% of the day was not work. Um, So I have to stop telling myself that these hours are working hours because when I'm working now, it's like I'm nose deep working. There's always stuff for me to be doing, but it doesn't have to be so many hours in the day. You know, I'm trying to cut back and like limit the amount and it doesn't, it really, if we work smarter, it doesn't have to be an obscene amount. Exactly. Yeah. I set very high expectations for myself and I'm still trying to figure out what I'm, I want to do. You know, there's so much to be done in this space and it's hard to not think, Oh, I should be doing that. Yeah. And I think that's another struggle that, like you said, in the space can bring is not knowing like what your 
end goal or intention is per se. So then you do feel like you have to do it all. You do feel like you have to have your hands in a million different places and just, you know, try to keep up with everyone else. When in reality, like I've realized like podcasting is what I love most. Like that's where most of my attention goes to. And then Instagram follows and then like all the little things follow. And I think it's, I don't know, that helped me a lot with setting, like realizing where my purpose, passion, and tension was, and then going backwards almost. Totally. I agree. And I think that's why I've put a lot of time and focus on my podcast. Um, it's definitely not my breadwinner. My Instagram still is, but it's, I mean, I care a lot about my Instagram too, because my community, like I really value that, but I agree that my podcast, when I'm working in that space, like that's where I thrive. Well, so speaking of your podcast, can you just yeah. explain for anyone who hasn't heard of it, what it is, what you do? It's, it's so unique. I love it because I never know what to expect. Like, uh, I feel sometimes there's just so much overlap in the podcast in the space. And I just, I love how I can always expect something new and exciting from yours. So oh, thank is, you so much. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Um, my show is called Freckled Foodie and Friends. It is similar to this, conversational based. There's no script. Um, I really, I, what my description says is I sit down with kick-ass friends who are knowledgeable on specific topics and we invite you to join our conversation. So I want it to feel like you're in the room, you're hanging out with us, you're a part of the conversation. Um, there is zero filter on anything we're discussing. No conversation or topic is off limits from me specifically. Um, you know, I really, sometimes I feel like I can ask because I don't have anything <laughs> prepared when I sit down, but I, I honestly just want, I just want to ask what I'm thinking in that moment. Um, I start by asking, you mentioned this, but I start by asking, how do you define success? And then we just let it go from there. Um, so while my account is definitely focused, I would kind of say in health and wellness space, my podcast, I think varies on a ton of different topics. I, I love that you recognize that and appreciate that because I do think that there's a lot of overlap in the podcast space. And while I really love following certain people on Instagram, I don't necessarily want my podcast to be just like all influencers and more versions of me. I want to tell so many different people's stories and I want it to be different types of people, whether it's age, gender, race, income, like all of that. Um, so we talk about a broad spectrum of topics, whether it's, you know, plastic or food waste to having my mom, husband and sister on and like our relationship, um, my friend about losing her brother to suicide, like they're creating her own business. It's everything. So it's, I guess that's my elevator pitch. Maybe I should work on that. <laughs> no, no, that was perfect. I was just thinking, I was like, if I was listening to this, I would listen to your podcast because okay. yeah. Yeah, I mean, and like I mentioned before, like you had the, like Van, Van Lewin's on there. You yeah. have, like, there's been so many interesting people and I do love, like, it, it does feel just like a conversation. I mean, you can tell it's not scripted and I was similar, like in the beginning I tried to like script it and like it, it never goes according to plan. Like yeah. if you're truly podcasting, I think there's different like levels of skill in podcasting and if you can just sit down and have a conversation with someone off like the fly of your seat, like that is amazing and it's exhilarating yeah. and it keeps your mind sharp. Like you have to be on the go. Oh so, my God. Yes. 
so hard. If I'm like really tired and I sit down on the chair to do it, I, I really have to get myself prepared. And I have, so I do ask three of the same questions. So I ask, how would you define success? I close the show with three, three foods, um, how, like the way to your heart through three fruit foods. I can't speak right now. <laughs> Um, and then the middle question is your favorite characteristic about yourself. And even though I just had that one question to fit in, I have a hard time sometimes fitting it back into the conversation because I don't want to like push it a certain way. I want the conversation to just flow, but I love the question. So it's yeah. mostly at the end also. Yeah, no, I feel that too. And yeah, it's just, and you never can expect like some people it's just, you'd never expect the conversation to go there and then it goes there and yeah, you truly don't want to pull away from it. Cause some people, it takes yeah. a while to get them warmed up to speaking. And once you have them, you just want to like keep on going. And yeah. so, yeah, well, I love I, seeing the direction the conversations go. Like I had on one of my mentors in this space, Joel Gameron, who has a cooking show and it was all going to be all about like using scraps and how to re purpose them for cooking and it just totally went in the direction of like anxiety the way we feel about growing up with money like guilt over money it was we rarely talked about food and I I loved it it's one of my favorite episodes yeah no I, I love it when they when they totally take you by surprise and people yeah. love it too like they don't expect that from them so it's always a fun perspective but yeah what well, has been one of your favorite shows to record um well, I have to say this one. I really love this one. Um, oh I think you're very good at the conversational aspect. There's some people where it's hard to keep that going. That's the um, hardest. Oh, I, God. I know. I know. There's some people it feels like you're pulling teeth or something. Yes. <laughs> Give me something to work with. I found so similar to you, like you've mentioned, you've had a lot of your close friends on. Yeah. I find those ones just, even if the topic isn't like this huge dramatic topic, just the ease between two people that trust each other, are comfortable with each other, provide like the best shows. I loved, I had Sammy Eason on. She was just- Met her for the first time. Yeah, and she's just, it was amazing. Another, that was like another example of, it's like you, you think you know her on Instagram and then you sit down and you talk with her and you just see like almost an entirely different person in a good way. Like you see- you see more of them. And so that was like a very heartwarming one. And then, yeah, just a few with my friend, like my friend Mallory and just close friends that we were just able to go deep. And I knew I could ask anything. So it was more comfortable. Exactly. Like right away. You're, you're there. Yeah. It's like, so <laughs> the big topic. No, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I'd say those ones, just the ones you wouldn't expect almost. And yeah. I've learned to not place too high of expectations as well, because like we yeah. said, you'll think someone's one way and then you start talking and it can be challenging. So but yeah. I've had some people where I've thought this is going to be an amazing guest. I'm so pumped about it. And it was kind of average in my opinion, that show ends up being. And then I sit down like my grandma, I recorded that episode for us to have as a family. I never thought I would release it. And that's one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. It's, it's always surprising. Podcasting is an amazing, amazing medium. If you, if you can treat it right. You know what I mean? Like not I agree. think too much of it, but yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and yes. And so what's your Instagram account again for anyone that wants to follow and then podcast once more. Yes. My Instagram is freckled foodie 
And my podcast is Freckled Foodie and Friends. It's on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and my website. Perfect. Everywhere. (laughs) I hope you guys laughed as much as I did with that episode. Truly so much to laugh about, so much fun, but also a lot of serious topics that we covered, you know, with the redefining your success and standing in your self-value and just trusting in the work you do. So I really hope something resonated with you. I'm sure it did. And if you want to connect with Cameron, find out more about her podcast, which is one of my favorites. If you look in my like recent listens on my Spotify, hers is always up there. So (laughs) you can find her on Instagram at Freckled Foodie and her podcast is Freckled Foodie and Friends literally go give it a listen you will not regret it and as i mentioned in the intro if you're if you really like the show you can go on apple Podcasts, leave a rate and review and you'll be entered to win some hum nutrition glow gummies like they're filled with i think it's like vitamin a and e and they just really help you glow from the inside out i use their gummies uh for hair growth because i was having some issues with my hair thinning I know, so weird to be saying that as a 20-year-old, but you know what? That's life. Um, And I can really say they work. So I'm excited for one of you to get to try their gummies and just glow from the inside out. We all need some glow during these winter months. So uh, go ahead, do that. You can always subscribe to the show, which also helps a lot in case you didn't know what the subscribe button does. It basically counts you in as like a dedicated listener. uh, And then also it automatically downloads. So that definitely helps the show. You can find me on Instagram at thrive underscore on life and I'd be happy, happy, happy to connect. So I'll talk to you next week. Bye.